You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. The interview subject I have coming up for you is another one from Perth, Western Australia. Another great musician from out west. His name is Dave Williams. His group is called Indigo. The reason for the chat with Dave is because the group have released a new single called Everybody Knows. Let's hear what he has to say. Here we go. Uh, give you much background sure. on what it is that I do and the sort of show that I host. Yeah, I had a bit of a squib. Sweet. Okay. Did you like any of the artists yeah. that I've interviewed? Um, I liked a few of them. Uh, I can't remember the, the latest one you did last week. Uh, Nick Barker from Cradle of Filth. Yeah, Nick, Nick Barker from Cradle of Filth. Yeah, that was Yeah. Yeah, he's um, I'm I'm an old school metalhead, so all those guys from the nineties yeah. that were in bands I that grew I up loved. Metal. Oh yeah, what do you like? What were your favourite bands? Oh, I was a uh, classic old school Metallica diehard. That's where I was learning my guitars <laughs> as a thirteen or fourteen year old. Yes, we all went through that phase. Yeah, it's funny though. A lot of people never drop it. They they stay sort of wedded to Metallica, like as if it's uh, a cult. Yeah, I wasn't quite that bad. I just think they've got such good wrists to learn if you want to learn how to play guitar. Yeah, I agree. They're basically the entry entry point, aren't they? Meaning that they're the first band that's genuinely no bullshit heavy metal if you go back to their first three or four albums. Uh, Everything after that's garbage. Yeah, they just right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So let, maybe it makes uh, it makes you feel like you're a, a good guitarist a lot sooner than what you actually are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all down down picking too, isn't it? So as long as you get that that technique sorted, I'm not saying it's easy, but once you get the technique yeah. sorted, you can pretty much play Master of Puppets after a couple of weeks. Exactly. Exactly. You know. So, um, but look, I I have had a, a listen to Indigo's the single. So Lee sent it through to me. It's called Everybody Knows. And it sounds to me as though the band have been listening to Heroes by David Bowie because I can I could definitely get that vibe coming through. But the cut is a bit different to some of your other work because it uses these minor scales and it's got a killer driving beat. Um, a bit different to one of your other songs. Uh, or, or, sorry, there was a song called La Luna that I heard that has minor scales and a driving yeah. beat. So I was comparing it to that one there. But the bio also says that you guys wrote Everybody Knows quickly. So you must have been inspired some way. So what can you tell me about the song? Um, we wrote this song, uh, Dylan, the uh, guitarist um, in our band, uh, his dad had a bonfire up at his property in North Dandelup. And uh, it was like up in the hills, the fire was burning, and then we just like set up a jam session in his big set. Um, and we just, Chris just started playing with the, uh, everybody knows and was like making up on the spot. And then we wrote the song in about like probably five minutes and then just played it for about an hour straight, which, uh, everyone at the bonfire was getting a bit sick of it by then, but, uh, <laughs> we finally got the song down. Sweet. Okay. And, and look, you've got a bit of material out there if the catalog on iTunes is correct. So you've got the self-titled EP from 2016. 
and I stumbled over the EP from yeah. 2017, which of course I'm going to mispronounce, but I'll give it a go anyway, which is Kumiho, I believe. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, pretty close. It's Kumiho, yeah. Kumiho, there you go. All right. And and I found that I, I kept on coming back to this one track, which is a lure, because I love the, the Hawaiian slide guitar and the aesthetics that you guys have threaded across there, across the track there. And there's also a bunch of other singles on there as well. So you do have quite a lot of material for people to wrap their ears around. And um, yeah, look, I've long thought that the album itself, so crafting eight or nine, ten songs on a collection could be a dead concept for indie bands. And it seems like you guys might agree with me yeah. because you've gone the EP route twice and you've also got a bunch of singles out there. So do you agree with me on that point that it's better for an indie band to release EPs the way that you guys have done it? Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree, man. Um, we have opted out of uh, doing an album just because it's not really worth your while. Um, people, most of the time, they listen to your music on um, streaming services and they'll just pick the one song that they like the most and add it to their playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the, I think the majority of music consumers listen to one or two songs of the album and then that's it. So um, apart from that, there are obviously some people um, old school music fans that will get around watching uh, all this into a full album, start to finish. I love doing that, but mm. um, it's just not worth it until you build enough traction. Agree, absolutely. Actually, that's why I was impressed that you guys had come up with the strategy yourselves, and I, I simply don't understand why young bands or indie bands more specifically in this day and age of Apple Music and also Spotify, especially Spotify, the Spotify playlist is the new album these days. It's just the way people are consuming music. Um, why people put so much effort into putting albums together? Because, look, personally, I do love albums. I tend to want to listen to... I do a lot of walking and a lot of just going around in the car, so I actually enjoy listening to albums. But I'm 42 years of age, and I came from an era where we bought CDs, cassettes first and then CDs. But... People these days, and it's not just about the youth and younger people, Generation Y or Z or Millennials or whatever the uh, the term is these days for younger people. It's just everybody because that's the way Apple CarPlay is set up in cars and the opportunity, I think, to release singles and then be associated with, say, bands like Coldplay and the like. So, so I think one of the best situations for you guys potentially could be that there is a Spotify playlist put together and insert band that sounds like Coldplay or The Weeknd here. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And you guys are yeah, on that yeah, same yeah. that same playlist. I mean, that'd go great business for you guys. Yeah, thanks, mate. I appreciate that. Um, I think uh, getting yourself on those playlists that are run by some of those companies is a, a massive thing. Hmm. Um, and having songs that are, are good in their own right and just trying to get this, um, I guess, product out where you're going, this song is an individual thing. We're still trying to find the sound that works best for us and the sound that um, more people resonate with. And we feel really strongly that every song we release, it's you know getting better and better. Mm. Um, we've got heaps of creative energy after this um, tough year which is good um we're jamming more and more than ever and um 
now just writing more music to, you know, try and fit into some of those playlists and write some music that makes people feel something. Make people feel something. That's a very good point. And I think you guys do a great job of that so far, certainly from the few listens that I've already had. But that's obviously a strategy that you've got, isn't it? You actually want to elicit an emotional response out of the listener. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think something that we uh, feel very strongly about when it comes to writing music and um, releasing art is that I think it, or at least for me, it kind of has to have a narrative behind what you're doing. Mm -hmm. There has to be a reason for it. You have to be saying something. Um, Or at least that's the art that makes me really feel no emotions. And so, um, take everybody knows, for example, um, we uh, wrote that a long time ago and put it away for so long. We've been working on it for three or four years. Um, and then all of the uh, ignorance out of this year because of misinformation and COVID this and all that stuff, mm-hmm. finally the lyrics really made sense where there was a narrative for it now that we can apply to that. Even though we wrote it about similar topics, um, it really is quite fitting for this year. So when um, we revisited it at the start of the year, um, we were talking about how... Um, easy it is to fall into your own patterns of thinking uh, when it comes to social media because you have these echo chambers and it's creating this world where everyone's views are getting affirmed and reaffirmed and reaffirmed every time they look on Facebook or Instagram and you get these really strong opinions that don't have any actual evidence behind and it's quite scary so you know, in the end, we don't really know anything and we're always trying our best. So, You're a smart yeah. fella. You've, 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 well, you've just said exactly how, what I'm thinking about things. And, and look, I've just graduated from uni and I did one of my papers on echo chambers yeah. and they are they are disastrous. Oh, wow. Yeah, to say the least. And They um, are. You just find they that, that people, they get into these bloody things. They seem to have all of the time in the world on their hands and... The way that YouTube, so all Google, all Facebook, all Twitter algorithms are set up, no matter what type of an account you've got, what what I mean by that is that if you keep searching out the same type of information, it'll keep giving you that. So I think people have to stop blaming social media, get a bit more educated on how social media works, i.e. the algorithm that keeps on bringing them the same shit that they've they've looked at now for God knows how long. and. It's kind of like a toxic Olympics. Let's see how vulgar my opinion can possibly become and how... I mean, like this, the rise of these these uh, neo-Marxists. I, I don't know how much history people need to read before they have some sort of a takeaway that this slide into advocating for socialism and communism, both murderous regimes, is as bad as the same thing that these so-called anti-fascists are protesting against. You can't go from one side to the other side and just totally ignore that there's a middle ground and say, yeah, we have the solution, it's over here, because guess what, you're a Nazi. And I mean, this is, I mean, a Nazi, calling somebody a Nazi or calling somebody a racist and all all of the usual things that people call people when they want them to shut up, which is, yeah, yeah, which is fascist, which is really what that's about, limiting limiting people's speech. 
It's it's at first years ago, five or six years ago when it started, I thought, well, this is just kids. These are just child, children doing it. But then you start seeing CEOs of yeah. companies doing it, and then you see Nike release a statement around this sort of stuff, and you think, holy yeah. shit, are we are we absolutely living in in the manifestation of George Orwell's 1984? Because it certainly fucking feels like it at the moment, and and we have it really yeah. good in Australia, and I'd love to keep it this way, man, but. I, I feel, I tell you, I do feel for our, our friends in the United States, and I know it's not bad everywhere. I'm not catastrophizing, yeah. but I think that's where it's most, you know, it's where, and the UK too, I must say too. I tend to, a lot of the accounts that are extremely yeah. toxic that are bumped over tend to come from those two places. Yeah. I think um, it sound, it seems a bit like, I don't know, conspiracy theory in, in some way, but... Um, the Rupert Murdoch media uh, um, own so much of the media in all of those three countries, UK, US mm-hmm. and Australia. And it just feels like um, having one media company, wherever they sit on the spectrum of who they benefit in terms mm-hmm. of you know, politics, um, you can't have a media monopoly. That is insane because you know people can be bought out and then... We need our media to be honest and truthful. There needs to be a lot more accountability in terms of what papers are allowed to publish because misinformation is so powerful. And I think we're finally starting to see how bad it can get. Mm. Well, I think I think social media's got had far more of a role than what Rupert Media's Rupert Murdoch's media has. That the reality is is that there's not that many eyes on his his mastheads these days. Most of the eyes, yeah. meaning most of people's browsing habits are focused on Facebook. So they might bump over um, or, cro- or come across, I should say, um, the uh, Courier-Mail or the Australian. So the Rupert, Rupert's papers in Australia, there's plenty of them, of course, but that's just two. Um, but by and large, I, I think it's definitely social media. Um, and it, it's when they're, they're not, they've not even had to cartel. Uh, Twitter and Facebook they've just yep. people's natural tendencies to want to sign up for these things because we are tribal tribal a, a tribal species apparently and then form into these groups along these partisan lines because I, I, I mean you, you sort of grow up thinking that as people get older they become a bit more rational and the like but that's what I was trying to say before but mm-hmm. might not have made the point is that I, I thought it was just young people that were getting involved in this I mean some of the most toxic accounts if the avatar is to be believed, are from people that are pushing well over 60. Um, but they yeah. might have led a, yeah. a long life. Yeah, and the, oh, it does. It shocks the shit out of me, man. I, I think, haven't you had kids? Haven't you learned to be a bit moderate? That, you know, we all know life is, I mean, you're obviously a lot, a lot younger than me, but life is tough because life is long. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that happen between when you graduate from high school and then you get married and then you potentially have kids. So, um, you couple up anyway if you don't don't get married. You know what I'm saying. But, man, it's, you know, you've got yeah. about 60-odd yeah, years there where you've got to figure out what you're going to do with your life. And for people to go onto social media and to use it to vent and especially vent about politics, sometimes, man, I just I shake yeah. my head at, at how much education people have got about, you know. So just for a moment you step back and go, it's so toxic even if you're right, can't you? Yeah. And, and you're making your point this way in the, using these, this toxic methodology, these toxic words, yeah. and you're accusing the other side of being a fascist yeah. or what have you. Like, Do you honestly think that someone is going to stop 
and go, hang on, you're right, I'm a fascist. I'm going to stop what I'm doing. Like, you're just pissing yeah, yeah, in the wind. Yeah, no way. Yeah. Yeah, it's inflammatory, yeah. Yeah, it's... it's no matter it's, what, I used to be so bad for it. Yeah. We used to do it yourself, did you? You used to go on... Yeah, I'd finish work or, or like, be procrastinating at uni doing assignment and I would get um, caught up for hours just replying to people, trying to try and get them to see a different perspective or or giving them facts if they're claiming things that don't have facts and showing them. Mm. And I, it's just it's not good for me. I, I can't do it. Like I got to this point where I was like, this is stressing me out. I can't put any more energy into this. This is like sucking me dry. It's no good. You figured it out then, yeah, because you can't keep on doing it no matter who you are. I used to think it was if you were too sensitive or you were too aware of the world because you were widely read, you probably shouldn't do that just from a mental health perspective, your own. But you figured out, I think, that you can't really do it at all. And the people that are doing it, look, I'm not making any baseless accusations here, but certainly the... I haven't had any interactions with people this way because I simply don't do it. I'm old enough. Well, it's not about old age, sorry, I should say. It's about I'm just self-aware enough to know that I just don't want to get involved in that sort of shit. Plus, I don't actually want to argue or with anybody about their opinion and I don't want to express my opinion online that way. Anyway, God knows I do it enough in this format here. Yeah. But that's because it's my show and fuck it, I can say whatever I want. you know. But yeah. I'm not I'm not shitposted. Absolutely. I'm not, not trolling anybody and I'm never shitposted. So... Um, yeah, yeah I, I just like to see people sort of get out of this left-right p- paradigm that they think that the world exists in this binary equation, politically binary. Yeah. That it seems to be down. You're either left wing or right wing or what have you. And it's like, you know, you can be, you can, you can actually have your own opinion on things. You don't have to be an ideologue. Yeah, exactly. You know, so. Yeah, mate, it's uh, very interesting times. I'll, I'll make this my final question for you, okay? And you may have already answered it, but it's actually it's yeah. a good one because I'm gonna I've got three interviews tonight, and I'm planning on asking it in each of them. So your first cab off the rank. So here we go, okay? 2020, right, go for two, it. 2020 will be remembered for a lot of things, okay? That have affected just about every person. This this one main thing, this pandemic that has affected everybody all across the, the world. But what about you personally? What things in your life do you think will change moving forward? I think um, I think international travel may change. Um, I don't think that worries me that much. Um, in terms of the things that will change the most in my life is you know, probably travel internationally a bit less than I intended. I really wanted to travel next year. Um, but now I'm thinking WA is pretty good. We've got it really lucky and we have such a, you know, wild landscape from north to south here. So, um, you know, I might do a bit of driving around. Um, and in terms of, you know, work life and band life, um, I think playing music will be pretty difficult moving forward. I think festivals, maybe a thing of the past for a little while, hoping that we can find ways to make it work. But I think how they've been running so far is too risky still. Um, and if we had any community transmission around those areas, it's just too risky. So um, as a musician, 
things do feel pretty tough with, you know, only being able to sell limited capacity tickets to shows and that kind of thing. Um, but there is hope around the corner, of course, because, you know, the vaccine is coming around and we have no idea how that's going to go, but at least it's something, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good take, good perspective on things. I too, I love the international travel, but yeah, it doesn't look like we're going to be doing any of that any time in the near future. But yeah, get, being able to get together for the sake of festivals and gigs, especially with Sydney going in the lockdown again, it's um, you got to you got to feel for the places that you know these, these huge cities in Australia where it keeps happening. But it, it is what it is, mate. Until yeah. there's a vaccine and it gets rolled out and it proves to be effective, I think that's it. We've just got to keep well. Whether we got to or whether we keep doing it or not is two different things, but I think we'll keep doing it. I think meaning going into lockdowns and there'll be more social distancing stuff. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Mate, thanks very much for the chat. Good killer conversation. Um, what I'll do from here is um, I just share it pretty much as it is. I'll do a bit of an introduction and put an outro on it, but uh, I might clean up the, the, the yeah. beginning of it so as though <laughs> so as though yeah, uh, sorry don't about include that. that. Man. I, I, I literally, yeah. Had no idea what was going on, and then it occurred to me. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. But no, look, killer conversation. Thanks for sharing your view. It's always great when people do that, rather than say, "I don't really want to do that," you know. So, um, you know, I think if you stand within your own truth, man, there's never any dramas, and you've done that. So, thanks very much for the chat. Exactly. No, no problem. It's an absolute pleasure. Talk soon. No worries, mate. For sure. Catch ya. That's it. Show's over. My name's Andrew Mackay Smith. And I'm the host of the show, Scars and Guitars. It's not over completely, by the way, just this particular episode. You just tuned in to hear Dave Williams from the Western Australian-based outfit Indigo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>